Hey folks, it's me, Ben Blacker, the creator and host of the Writers Panel. Thanks for listening. As I said previously, um, we're in the midst of a really great run of episodes. Uh, the first couple months of episodes of this podcast have been really fun. I loved recording them. I loved having the conversations with these uh, writers, some of whom I knew, some of whom I didn't, some of whose work I have loved and seen, and some with which I was completely unfamiliar. Um, if you listen to last week's episode with Our Flag Means Death creator David Jenkins, you know how good it's been. Today's episode is no exception. Um, I talk with Neil Druckmann, who is the co-creator of The Last of Us. Uh, he also created the game that the show is based on. It was a really interesting conversation, um, as they all are. I'll be honest with you. They're really enjoyable. Uh, they're always so helpful and inspiring to me, as are the conversations that I'm having with writers uh, over Zoom that I am not posting, but which you can be a part of. That's right. Over on the Substack, benblacker.substack.com, we're doing monthly Q&As with professional writers in which you ask the questions and they provide the answers. Um, these are really great conversations. Um, last month, we had Mark Guggenheim, who was terrific and inspiring. This week, as of uh, the release of this episode, uh, we have Marion Dare, who is the showrunner on Marvel's Echo series, uh, who is a terrific writer. She's got a million things in the work. Go over to benblacker.substack.com to read um, six questions with Marion Dare and to get the information to join our Q&A this coming Sunday. Um, it should be really cool. She's she's good at this stuff. The only way to join those Q&As is to become a paid subscriber. So please do that and support this podcast if uh, you enjoy it at all. You know, you can do it for as little as $6 a month, and it really goes a long way towards supporting the podcast and the newsletter and me. That's benblacker.substack.com. Okay, here's my conversation with Neil Druckmann. We get into some really interesting stuff about the making of The Last of Us, Um it's funny sometimes when I record these, you know, sometimes I will have just watched the show. In the case of The Last of Us, I watched it, you know, when it was on a year ago, over a year ago, uh, and I really enjoyed it. Um, but I didn't have any questions. <laughs> like, there was nothing that was sort of compelling me to dig into the show. And so I approached this conversation with Neil, which was set up through Publicist, um, in sort of a freeform way. Uh, I had a couple of questions to kick us off. And then we just sort of saw where the conversation took us, which is how I do a lot of these. But sometimes, as you'll hear next week, I'm uh, a little more eager to talk about how the actual thing was made, where it was clear to me on The Last of Us how it was made. So we got to go much deeper, much faster. And I thought that was really interesting. Neil was uh, a great guest. And uh, if you are a fan of The Last of Us, I think you will enjoy this conversation with Neil Druckmann. Thanks for listening. They write, they talk, and talk about what they write. Tune in tonight, or whenever the time is right. It's the Writer's Panel with Ben Blacker, and it's starting now. Oh, yeah! Neil Druckmann, thanks for chatting. Um, Neil, let's get right into it. I was reading a little bit about the the beginnings of 
the Last of Us TV show. And I was surprised to see that it started life as a movie years ago, I guess. Um, like, tell me about that that road to getting it on television. Yeah, it was a long and winding road. Um, I guess before we even finished the game, The Last of Us, that came out, uh, game that came out in 2013, uh, because of Uncharted, Uncharted at that point was already optioned, I think through Atlas and Sony Pictures and Arad Productions. So there have been several names already involved and people we were in contact with that when some of them heard we were working on a new game, like a brand new IP, they became very interested in seeing what it is and potentially optioning it. So we already had people coming by the studio and we showed them like a private demo we were working on. It was the early parts of Pittsburgh had like all the cinematics getting into Pittsburgh of Joel having just connected, um, having just left bills and is about to enter uh, Pittsburgh, what became Kansas city on the TV show. Um, and nothing quite felt right. Um, you know, without getting into too many details with our deals, we wanted even more creative control on this deal. Let me stop you there. And and I'm going to interrupt a bunch of time to, to dig in on stuff a little bit more, but I was curious about like, you know, you're obviously so involved in the TV show. What was your involvement in these earlier stabs at it? And was that part of them not getting off the ground? Yeah. So um, obviously as a on Uncharted beforehand, I was a co-writer and a lead designer. On The Last of Us, I was writer and creative director. So I was much more involved overseeing this franchise and I was on Uncharted, at least at that point in my career. Uh, so I'm there in a room. Uh, so usually I'm there pitching the story and kind of describing the characters and the journey and what's happening there. And then I'm hearing a proposal or a pitch back from whoever the producers in the room are, whatever production company. And um, eventually, well, two, two people we became interested in for the movie. So one was... Um, Ghost House uh, came by with Sam Raimi and I was a huge Sam Raimi fan and they were a bunch of the producers that played the game and were fans of um, of the game uh, and then we also met with uh, Screen Gems which is a subsidiary of Sony Pictures um, usually does horror movies and the reason we became interested in Screen Gems uh, is because they offered us a lot of creative control as far as like final say on casting, on script, um, on director, and so on. Uh, however, when we started working in earnest, so we kind of combined those two deals with Ghost House and Screen Gems. Uh, it just never felt right as a movie. That was that was the the biggest flaw more than anything is that I would finish a draft. It would be a monstrous one hundred and thirty something pages. And I'd already, again, to fit everything in, I, I think that version didn't have Bill in it. It didn't have Henry and Sam. Um, and so I would like kind of like talk it through with the producers and some of the notes would be understandably like, oh man, we really missed this moment with Henry and Sam. We really missed this moment with Bill. Also, you got to think big, big picture. Think of it on the screen. Like we want more set pieces um, and it's got to be shorter. So add all those things and remove pages. And it's 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 around this time where it's just like 
this just doesn't feel right. It, it the only reason I ever wanted to do it was um I love video games so much. And in the past, I've been so disappointed with video game adaptations. I'm like, this could be right. We could actually change things here. I could change the perception of how people view video games. And some of people, when they hear this, they misinterpret as if we're, we're saying, oh, games are bigger than, I mean, movies are bigger than games. Therefore, it's like we we need the respect of movies. And it's, it's, it's not like that to me at all. These are two different mediums. mediums. I enjoy both of them. But I think there's a lot of misunderstanding about video games by people that don't play video games. And this was a chance to get them to experience something. And I was hoping at the end they would be like, wait, that's a video game? And then become interested in stories and video games. Um, but pretty quickly, uh, once we started actually working on it, and you know, there, there was a table read where we brought in actors actually to work through the script. Um, it just... The chemistry wasn't there. The, the 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 medium, honestly, wasn't right for The Last of Us. Um, and then we were able to, again, because we had so much creative control, we were able to table that deal or kind of end it at that point. And really, I was okay if it was the, it would never get adapted. I would be fine. I, I've always said, like, I'd rather have nothing than something that's not good. Um, so even though then more and more, like, prestigious directors and production companies became involved with it after the success when the game um came out uh nothing felt right like again it was always like this intention of making it to turn to a movie until i had um through a mutual friend shannon woodward who played dina in the second game um she introduced me to craig mazin and i'm pretty busy i'm a pretty misanthropic guy i don't i don't like to meet new people very often so i just i never replied to his email i was kind of a, a jerk about it I, I meant to do it and i just forgot and then i one day i see chernobyl and i'm blown away and i'm talking with this guy carter swan who's one of the guys in charge of playstation production and he's has a pitch for like a a, a really big director that i'm actually a, a, a huge fan of that was interested in doing the last of us as a movie and i'm i'm just like i'm just not feeling it not as a movie i really think it wants to be a tv show it's like it's like oh coincidentally enough craig mazin of chernobyl is interested in doing it but i'm like i told him we're already doing it as a movie i'm like wait what and at that moment i put it together that it's wait that name is the guy that emailed me that i never emailed back is the guy that did this this tv show that i was just like one of the best tv shows i've ever seen and i'm like i want to meet craig mazin and he's and and i <laughs> We had a bit of a, an argument, like because uh, Carter still believed that should have been a movie, but I think he was starting to see the potential as well of like if we do it right, if we do it under HBO, this could really be something special. Uh, and I've told this story before, so I'll keep it short. Which is like I then reached out to Craig. We had lunch right by the Naughty Dog office, and we were just gushing about each other's work. He was a big fan of the game. He could speak about it very intimately. I was a big fan of Chernobyl. I was just gushing, asking him questions about how he put it together, how's all this stuff. And then I asked him towards the end of our lunch, I'm like, you know, out of curiosity, if let's say we wanted to do it as a TV show at HBO, how would, what's the process? I've never made a TV show. I don't know anything. He's like, oh, it's, it's very simple. We go across the street to their office. I tell them I want them to be my next project. And that's what happens. And true to his word, like a week or two later, we had that meeting with Casey Blois and Franny and, all, and a couple of other executives and um, 
pitched them The Last of Us and shook hands right then and there. And we're off to making The Last of Us at HBO. You mentioned this idea of storytelling in video games and, and how like a movie that couldn't quite capture that, especially for these games. And listen, I'm not a big video game person, but I love Uncharted and I love The Last of Us. And I think it is because of the storytelling in those games, right? You invest in these characters. Tell me a little bit about like working that idea into games, which doesn't feel like it's a prevalent idea, especially when you were launching these original games. I, I think a big issue with games at least used to be in that they deprioritize story. It's not that they don't care about story. They just don't care about it as much as other aspects of the production. So what would often happen in the past is you'd have people coming up with concepts of like, and you see a lot of times in games, there's a credit called scenario planning. What is a scenario? What is like, what is the fantasy I'm living out in, in this in this game? Um, so often, like a lot of some military shooters that I won't name, the way they're, they're constructed is you'll have designers building levels kind of independently of each other just to create a thrilling sequence to play through. And then they'll bring in the writer and be like, Okay, now help us tie all these things together. And that is the function of the writing. Whereas at Naughty Dog, um, and, and more studios have changed to do it the way Naughty Dog does, you know, or has done. Uh, we really started with, well, what is the emotional journey we want the player to go on? And that becomes the heart that everything comes out of. So with The Last of Us, um, you know, that thinking was, you know, at the time I was thinking about having kids. And um, so I had a lot of thoughts about just children and thinking about sacrifices my parents have made for me. So I was really intrigued with this idea of unconditional love and the beautiful things that can come out of it and the horrific things that can come out of it. And the whole game was constructed was like, well, how can we, again, structure a narrative, but more a narrative experience that at the beginning of which you'll see these two characters, one of which you're playing as, and they don't like each other. In fact, they kind of hate each other. And by the end of it, can we get them to ha have that, you know, um, very primal, very instinctive, uh, unconditional love that parents and children can feel for each other? And hopefully the player does as well if we've done our job right. And again, the whole, everything is just structured around that, which is very similar to how I think you would structure a TV show or even a movie is, you know, you'd map out the arc of the characters, how they're changing over time. And then you break that down into sequences and say, okay, what is the smaller change that happens within each one of these acts and then sequences and then scenes and then beats within scenes. Um, and then some of those are cinematics that so they're, they're not playable. They are like watching a TV show or a movie, they're passive. And a lot of it is interactive, which is unique to the medium of video games. So it's like, when there's a sequence where, let's say, I stepped into a trap and I'm hanging upside down and I have to shoot a bunch of infected rushing my position while Ellie's trying to cut me down, there's a thrill to it. There's a skill factor to it. But behind the scenes, we're building this relationship. Like when Ellie saves you, you care more about her. When she's not there and you have to protect yourself without her, you feel her absence. You, you, you miss her. So these are kind of certain feelings that are unique to games that we, we could evoke that are either harder or not applicable in another more uh, passive medium. That's so interesting. But then you're you're faced with this challenge of 
starting to apply those to a passive medium when the adaptation comes. So that's correct. Tell me about those conversations that you and Craig had. Yeah. So um, the way Craig and I worked once we kind of set up uh, is while I was working on Last of Us 2, he would come by Naughty Dog for lunches and we would break the whole season. And then so then we just talk about, OK, what are scenes that we just want to keep as is? They really just they just work. Um, you know, so there's a scene where um, Ellie confronts Joel and she tells him that if he were to leave her with Tommy, then he wouldn't make her any safer. He, she would just, in fact, be more scared because she's the only one. She, like that scene, almost line for line, we kept intact. Then we started talking about, well, what are certain sequences that just don't work? That, again, they um, they work in the game. Uh, and the game, I think, because it's an action game, it requires a lot of action sequences. So we just, from the get-go, we talked about the show, which was kind of like a, a sigh of relief for me, especially if you come out the movie, which is like, well, we don't need that much action. HBO really prioritizes drama and character. And and again, the, the, the to me, the juiciest part of, of a story are those elements. And action and, and spectacle are in service of those higher level, higher priority elements of a story. Um. So, for example, one of the earliest cuts we had was we talked about the whole bill sequence in the game. Because in the game, you only have the POV of Joel or Ellie. And we were militant about that when we made the game. It's like we never cut away to show what anybody else can see. So if Joel and Ellie don't see it, you as the player aren't going to see it. Because we really want to put you in their shoes. In a TV show, well, you're not Joel or Ellie. You're watching these characters. So we could actually cut away from them. So going back to the game, the way you get to meet Bill and see his relationship with Joel is you arrive at this town that he's built to kind of protect himself. And later you find out to protect himself and his partner. Um, but you get to experience it by fighting infected with Bill, alongside Bill, and seeing some of his traps, like the way they, they work live, and see how Joel argues with Bill while you're in the middle of action, while you're playing as Joel, and seeing this, this kind of banter between these three characters of... Joel, Bill, and Ellie. For the TV show, we felt like, you know, if we had as much action on screen, it would actually get boring. You wouldn't be as invested in it. At some point, it'd just be like, okay, I kind of get what this is about. Let's move on. Unlike a game, where it's like, there's something about the repetition of it. You get into a flow state. You get better at your skills. You become more as that character. And it's just, again, just those things work very, very differently. And once we kind of opened that door, that really opened the door with like, wait, so Bill had this partner, and that's just hinted at in the game. And it's kind of like Craig's side is this really just juicy backstory for, for, for Bill. What if the episode about Bill was just about that? And we kind of get to flesh that out. Because we get to see Bill at the outbreak. We get to see what Bill and Frank were about when Joel isn't around. So that really opened this opportunity to tell this really beautiful story in a way that we couldn't have for the video game, at least the kind of game that we built initially. It's that let's talk about that um, episode in particular. You know, obviously, it's it's a lot of people have talked about it. I what was so surprising to me about it was how early in the season it comes. Um, and was there conversation about like how this television story might lay out somewhat differently in sort of the macro sense? I don't remember how much we talked about placement. We we did talk about because we had ideas like the Bill episode for other characters, like. Um, I don't remember if we talked about this in the podcast, but for example, in the winter sequence where you get to meet David, the cannibal that's very interested in Ellie, 
we had a whole cold open that showed him on the outbreak and what kind of person he was. And you just, um, how he had this very different reaction to the outbreak than everybody else around him. And so we, we, we did talk about, we didn't want to have too many of those moments because ultimately the story is about Joel and Ellie. So whenever we move away from them to show this kind of like story, it has to either speak the theme or has to kind of like tell us something that's going to come back to Joel and Ellie. It's like either like a cautionary tale or in the case of Bill and Frank, the way we justified it, as I said, there's so much tragedy in this season, in this story. Um and actually, this is something the game didn't have as much of. And I, I bought the argument that that Craig made, which was like, here we get to see, well, this is what success looks like in this world. This is what like love taken all the way to like its full beauty, its full connection with this other person. Here's what it looks like. And it actually raises the stakes for Joel and Ellie because it shows him happiness is achievable in this world. It's, it's hard and it's not for everybody, uh, but you can get to it. And here's an example of that. And I think laying that out early actually increases the danger for the rest of the journey. So take me a little bit inside, uh, you know, once you guys had sort of hammered out the shape of this thing, what did it look like, you know, in the day-to-day for you? How, what did the writing look like? How were decisions made about, you know, you got to direct episodes, which was really exciting and they were great. Like, how does that all start to fall out on top of your duties, you know, as the co-head of a studio. Yeah. Um, look, it, it was definitely a stressful time in my life, uh, but it was all self-inflicted. So I, I can't, I can't complain. About it. And it's all things that I love. So it's like, even at, you know, at times where I find myself a little burnt out, I still was in awe of the journey. Um, I, I tell people of, you know, I didn't, I didn't go to film school. Um but I got to experience something I think much more intense than film school when I went to see the pilot getting shot. Uh, it's almost like I had four years of film school condensed into one month. It was it's such a broad question. I, I kind of don't know where to begin because uh, well, the, the reason is it was such an incredible experience um, to be on set and to have so many of the crew members come up to me and say, hey, I move across Canada to come work on the show because I'm such a huge fan of the game. And I just wanted to come and let you know that. That at a time when um, the whole industry was strapped for VFX studios, um, we had the pick of the litter because so many people were fans of the game. And it just showed me, again, the reach the game had even as we were working on the show. Even working with Craig Mason. Again, someone that I, I love talking, meeting other artists. If I get to collaborate with them, how like incredible is that? Um, as far as the, the writing process specifically, um, you know, I, I took I took the lead from Craig. Again, I, this was my first time writing a TV show. I didn't want to pretend like I know how to do this. It's like, I think I know a lot of, I have a good understanding of characters and writing and, and scene work, but I still followed his lead. Um, so, you know, we, we, we worked on the pilot together where we kind of like passed it back and forth. And I think that was a good experience to just see how both of us work. And, you know, sometimes things are a bit, a little bit different or our taste are very aligned, like 90% of the time, but then there's that extra 10%, you know, where we have to hash it out and doing it on the, a, a relatively safe setting of like a script. Um, again, really help get uh, a lot of us to get to know each other. And again, how we work and how do we resolve conflict? Cause a, a big part of collaboration is, is, is that. And, and what was that? How did you resolve conflict? 
our thing was we kind of made a deal in the very beginning, which is like we we we're going to trust each other. If either one of us feels so strongly something shouldn't be in the show, then the other person should just agree to it. So either, both of us have veto power essentially. Now we understand that's a nuclear button, and we use it very seldomly. Um, and I I actually don't know if we've ever done it where like someone's just dug in their heels, and be like, no. It's usually like someone will say, I feel very strongly and I feel very strongly because A, B, and C. So you're not just saying, I just don't like it because you can't really go anywhere with that. But if you say, I don't like it because I worry it's breaking this character or it's contradicting a later beat, then there's something to hash out. Then be like, okay, I see what you're saying. What if we change this? Or what if we did this other thing? And that's where some of the most fun creative moments kind of emerge uh, just through those challenges of like, okay, this doesn't quite work. How do we make it work? Or what's another? What's a, a third idea that we could come up with? Yeah, that makes sense. Um, and then likewise, you know, what was the notes process like with the studio with with HBO? It was awesome. Um, I, 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 <laughs> I know you're supposed to say like executive notes are stupid and they don't make any sense, but when they're good, they're good, and they were good. And in fact, I remember um, very early on. Uh, what what became the first episode, the pilot episode, used to be episodes one and two. And one of the notes that came from uh, Casey Bloys, who's head of HBO, was combine those two episodes. And his reasoning was, you have this first episode that ends with Sarah dying. And we haven't really met one of our protagonists, which is Ellie. And the whole intro is not the show. The show is actually when they go on this journey. So he's like... The inciting incident is when Joel decides to take Ellie and leave the quarantine zone. So therefore, it makes sense for the entire pilot to end there because that's really the start of your show. And that was a brilliant note. Um, and it's it's it cost HBO more to give that note than what we had initially. Uh, but again, they prioritized storytelling over anything else. I remember a funny moment I had with um, also with Casey. Uh, there was, I don't know if you remember, there's a scene with um, Tess and Robert. And the way the scene is shot is you're not sure who's the um, prisoner of whom. Uh, and that scene was used to be much longer and kind of had some interesting meat to it. And uh, HBO was pr pretty insistent that we needed to move a little bit faster to, to get to get to the inciting incident. And I argued because I didn't even write that scene. That was Craig's scene, but I just, I, there's so many things I loved about that scene. And I remember when I'm arguing with Casey and I'm like, I'm telling him, I'm like, look, I just, I, I'm, I'm not, and I, I can't quite find the words for it. They're like, I'm like, the thing I love about this scene is it's kind of unexpected. It's kind of HBO. It's what like I imagine seeing in an HBO show. And Casey had the best response to me. He was like, well, the HBO guy is telling you it's not working. <laughs> uh, and, you know, he was right. And again, like, I, I, I love batting with people that are smart and are coming at it from a very thoughtful place and not for, a, I, I, I tend to not react well when the notes come from a place of fear. And sometimes some of the movie notes were like that, which is like, we got to get butts in the seats. We got to like, make sure it's thrilling or it's, there's, there aren't these too long of lulls. HBO doesn't care about that. They're like, what's the best, most efficient storytelling for these characters? That's incredible. Um, what what a great experience. Also one that, you know, you earned and Craig earned too. Like 
they were responding to the work that you guys had done before, both in the game and and in other other work. The the amount of the amount of trust they put in us is staggering, if not foolish. Um, and and I'm glad that it, that it panned out because they did put a, an an awful lot of trust in us. When I first played The Last of Us, you know, I got up to that part where uh, Joel's daughter is killed, and I said, I can't, I can't play this anymore. This is too, it was so emotional. It was so dark. I had never obviously played a game like that before. But when I went back to the game, I realized this was absolutely the right decision. I want, I'm curious to dig in on that decision, both in the game and showing, you know, showing it in the show. But then, you know, to talk generally about trusting your story making decision that's a really difficult question to answer because it's this thing that you know as as you start out your career i find you often <laughs> well you either have too much confidence uh and you don't realize how little you know or you have so little confidence it's hard to move the ball forward at all and over the time and for me it took years you just learn that your instinct and your taste have been successful enough that you could trust it more and more. So when you're confronted with something, often your gut is already telling you what you need to do, or at least how what there's a certain reaction to it. And then I think you can intellectualize and maybe articulate it if you need to articulate it to a team. But I remember with the opening for the game, um, I spoke earlier about how we are very militant that, you know, you're only going to get the POV of Joel or Ellie, which was not entirely true because there's one other character, which is Sarah. Uh, you start the game actually playing as Joel's daughter. And for a long time, that wasn't the case. The opening was you played as Joel. You heard a commotion in a neighbor's house. You went to the neighbor's house. You saw that, like, the wife killed the husband or husband killed the wife. I don't remember the order of things. You killed the other partner and then rushed back home to get Sarah and leave. But it was always like you playing as Joel. And there was something about that idea, like an instinct that just felt, I've seen that before. Um, there's nothing really unique about this. Like I, I can kind of like predict where this is going to go as soon as it starts going. Uh, and then in a brainstorm with another designer, just had this like light bulb moment, like, wait, what if you played as Sarah? And again, there's something really magical that happens in, in a game that when you're playing a character, you start viewing the world as that character. It's just it just happens without you even trying. So like when you play the opening as Sarah, it got so much scarier than when you were playing it as Joel. As because now you're this helpless kid walking around the house and your your dad is gone. And just the panic is just rising and rising and rising. And it gets you to connect with this character very, very quickly. Because you have to like establish who this character is, get you to care about her, get you to care about her and her father's relationship, and then kill her and make sure you, you we've established enough care so that you're moved, emotionally moved by it, that you understand the pain that Joel is feeling. Because again, if that doesn't work and you don't buy into what just happened, the rest of the story starts falling apart. And making that her the playable character solve that. So in the show, it's like, okay, well, you can't play as Sarah, so we don't have that shortcut. So we really took like a big chunk of the first episode to say, let's spend a day in the life of Sarah and do stuff again. We 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 really couldn't do in the game because again, in the game, anytime you're away from the action, there's like a a, a 
a tension that starts to build for the player where they're like, they're, they want to get to the action. So it's almost like you, you can only go so long to have these, what we call downbeat moments before you get this like high intensity upbeat moment. Uh, but with the show, that's not a, a constraint again, because we just said we'll only have as much action as violence as the story needs and no more. So we could really spend the time to like see Sarah in school, see Sarah going to this watch shop to go fix her dad's watch returning, see her interactions with the neighbor. And we needed to do all that again to get you to connect with her, to see how much she cares for her dad, to then rip that away from Pedro Pascal. It, it, and it's so effective. Like it just works so hard in both media uh, it's that, you know, you you set up this, the emotional stakes so well. Um, was there stuff that you found as you guys were working on the show you were that you were getting to do in television that you had not been able to do uh, in games. Yeah, I, I mentioned some of it earlier, which was which was um, unplugging from our protagonists and and going to different places. And then there's just certain pacing things. That, uh, again, the game has a, has a, a particular pace to it, and is is more of an action story than the show. It's not like the show has no action, but it's just that's a slightly different vibe. So I think there's like shades of different things. They're, they're not as different as people would think. Um, at least again, the, the games we make at Naughty Dog are what we call a linear game versus a, a branching storyline. So like everyone experiences the same, relatively the same story for Joel and Ellie. Um, you don't get to choose whether you save Ellie at the end of the hospital or not. It's like, that was a very conscious thing that we did. There are games where, you know, you have branching storylines and then those, the writing of those games is quite different than writing a TV show. But I would say the way that the, especially the first game, um, the way that was structured was very much like a season of TV, which I think why the adaptation for it um, was very natural in that way. And it is, you know, and I, I think you've talked about this before, like it is such a direct adaptation. And I wonder if there was any part of you, it sounds like there wasn't, you know, early in the process where you you thought to yourself, like, I've done this, I've told the story already. And maybe a TV show opens up other avenues, you know, is are there stories that you haven't gotten to tell in the Last of Us world that like, you could tell in TV that you won't tell in games or, or vice versa. Well, yeah, I got to do that on the show. So um, there's in the last episode, there's the opening with Ashley Johnson who played Ellie in the game. And in the show, she plays Ellie's mom and you just get to see her give birth. And that story or a version of that story um, I, I wrote right after we finished the first game. And this was meant to be like an animated short and then later it was going to be like DLC, like a playable sequence. And it's just for a bunch of reasons it never came to life until the show came out and the story finally came to life. Likewise, there are other stories that were either written for the game or around the game um, that now when we're working on season two and hopefully we get to keep going and tell the full story, uh, those are coming back up. So it's it's good. So it's, it's kind of nice because... The whole history of this game is, you know, it started for me as a school project, failed as a school project. Then I liked it so much, I pitched it as a comic book, failed as a comic book, and then came to life as a video game, and then came to life as this TV show. So it's like, 
yeah, now there's like a, a few stories I have in my back pocket in that world and with some of the existing characters that with the right opportunity, hopefully they can come back to life. So uh, that's really exciting. And and let me ask you, because you were sort of circling this when we started talking about why these other, other adaptations weren't quite right and, you know, how dear this game clearly is to you and the world of this game and these characters. What is it about this game? You know, what is it that's personal to you, that's meaningful to you, that you want to hold on to it and keep living in this world and telling these stories? That's a hard question to answer, but I'll, I'll do my best. Um, why is something dear to us versus other things? I guess there's a lot of in me in that story, um, whether it's philosophy that I thought about, really about how my parents have raised me. And, you know, I've talked about sacrifices, like my parents moved countries to protect me and my brother. Um, so I would often go back to my feelings towards my parents or how I imagined they felt towards me and my brother and imbued a lot of the characters with that. There's certain quirky things with Ellie, the way she's into comic books and video games is like, these are all things that I'm just writing myself at that point for, for the character that it feels for one of these things to actually to have the idea to then concept it out to then execute it, to then have it to come out, to be successful, to have fans, and then like for it to become successful again in this other medium, The Last of Us completely changed my life. Like uh, who I am and the kind of life I get to live and the kind of projects I get to work on, the friends I have, my life would be drastically different without The Last of Us. So I feel like I've done this thing. I've gone on this journey with all these people um, I could tell you milestones in my life and I related them to where I was in production with The Last of Us. I don't know how to decouple myself from this thing. Uh, and then, by the way, the same thing to a lesser degree, but with Uncharted as well, because I've spent years and years on that franchise. And I'm sure whatever we, we do next, it'll, it'll be the same thing. Do, do we know about season two? Has that been announced? Okay. <laughs> we know it's happening. It's 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 been announced. It's been announced we're starting to shoot uh, in about a month from now, a month and change. Um, and we're just putting the final touches on the last few scripts and we're good to go. Excellent. Congrats. In that case, we'll end as we always do by asking what you are watching on television these days. What's getting you excited or inspired? Um, also, what games are you playing that is getting that are getting you excited or inspired? Uh, for shows, I have to plug this show because it's so good and I really hope to make a second season. It's an animated show on Max called Scavenger's Reign which is one of the best sci-fi things, show, TV, uh, TV show, movie, I have ever seen. It is so brilliant, and it's got these very compelling characters and the imagination and creativity around the sci-fi aspects of this planet and the technology around it. Um, I can't recommend it enough. It's, 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 it's great. Um, as far as games, uh, the last fantastic game i played is this game called alan wake 2 um which is on i think xbox and playstation uh, i'm playing it on playstation uh and a buddy of mine sam lake is a creative director on that and i know it's a game he's been wanting to make for like a dozen years since like the original came out and you could tell it's a labor of love and they 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 are pretty ballsy with some of the things they do in that story and some of like the, the there's a lot of meta commentary about storytelling inside the story. Um, so that's another one I, I highly recommend. Oh, neat. We'll definitely check it out. Um, Neil, thanks so much for chatting today. Cool. Thanks, Ben.